Welcome to 1869, the Cornell University Press podcast. I'm Jonathan Hall. This episode, we speak with Joan Newberger, author of the new book, This Thing of Darkness, Eisenstein's Ivan the Terrible in Stalin's Russia. Joan is professor of history at the University of Texas at Austin. She has written extensively in print and online about Eisenstein, film, and modern Russian cultural history. We spoke with Joan about what makes Ivan the Terrible one of the greatest films of all time, what Eisenstein's unpublished diaries and manuscripts tell us about his true intentions with the film, and what specific political messages he wanted to convey to the audience. Hello, Joan. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Um, I'm delighted to be here. We're delighted to have you. This this Thing of Darkness, your new book, beautiful, beautiful. uh, Amazing cover, obviously amazing inside as well, the content, but amazing um, illustration program, um, drawings uh, from, uh, you know, in the production of the movie, stills from from the movie. It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Thank you. So, you know, Sergei Eisenstein's Ivan the Terrible, the, uh, the movie that you have studied for many years, considered one of the greatest films of all time. What makes it unique? Uh, well, a lot of things make it unique, but I think the most important is that it was made uh, during World War II, at the beginning of the 1940s, when Joseph Stalin was the undisputed dictator of the Soviet Union, absolute ruler. And um, there were images of him everywhere in society. You couldn't escape him. There were newspapers, monuments, paintings um, everywhere. But there's, there's no thoughtful analysis of what his rule meant to people at the time, except for this film. Eisenstein's film is the one and only contemporary analysis of Stalinist rule that, that we have. Wow. Wow. And, you know, it obviously has a legacy. Um, not only as one of the greatest films of all time, but that Eisenstein, uh, some people thought had to overly compromise with Stalin. Um, But your research shows the opposite, that from his unpublished diaries, manuscripts, production notebooks, this actual, that Eisenstein's film was actually a a shrewd critique of Stalinism. Tell us more about that. Uh, Okay, well, that's really um, about half of what the book's about. So my argument in the book is that uh, this is a film that's very well known, but um, uh, has almost always been studied in a kind of political vacuum. And so to under- really understand what Eisenstein was trying to do, we have to think about its politics, the historical context, what Eisenstein was trying to say about power and about history, as well as all the experiment that he did with um, with uh, elements of cinema. So when St- So Stalin commissioned the film in 1941, um, and he about and it was supposed to be about the medieval dictator uh, Ivan the Terrible. Um, he wanted the film to be um, about the founding of the Great Russian State, about the centralization of power that made the Great Russian State um, powerful um, and successful. Uh, but in fact, both Stalin and Ivan the Terrible are famous for murdering hundreds of thousands of people. And uh, he expected that Eisenstein and all the other artists who were commissioned to make uh, works of art about Ivan the Terrible would justify the, the murderous campaigns on both, both rulers' parts. And um, Eisenstein 
uh, well, that made it a very tricky, that made it a very tricky project and a very high stakes project. And Eisenstein ranged very, very far from that commission. Instead, he made a film um, that really examined the link between um, absolute power and violence and tried to explain how uh, a ruler could um, unleash that kind of violence on his country and justify it. So that's sort of the, the political um, uh, goal of the film is, is really to explore that rather than to justify it or just critique it. And um, so he, he um, organizes the film around questions. And so Eisenstein wanted viewers to ask themselves what, what kind of ruler Yvonne was and um, what, what justifies centralized absolute rule. Uh, Yvonne himself constantly asks, am I right in what I'm doing? He asks God, he asks other characters, he asks himself. And that was intended to um, encourage viewers to ask, is he right in what he's doing? So I call this a, an interrogative mode. I say that Eisenstein made the film in, 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 as in an interrogative mode because he wanted, um, he wanted uh, the audience to think about issues of power, um, to think about the role that um, feelings play in, um, in the kinds of decisions that rulers make. Um, he wanted people to think about how an innocent child can turn out to be a bloody tyrant. Um, and he wanted people to think about who's responsible for and how we're all responsible for the things that take place in our lives. It turns out that um, in his notebooks and diaries and manuscripts of this period, there are a lot of details about his thoughts of developing over a period of some years uh, about how to both how to um, uh, represent Yvonne and his biography, but also then how to encourage viewers to ask these kinds of questions. How did you how did you gain access to the the diaries and the manuscripts? What did you where where are they stored? So all these, most of the sources that I used are in Eisenstein's archive in Moscow. Um, and his diaries actually were, only became available in uh, 1998, which was when I did a little bit of uh, the beginning research for this project. So they hadn't been well known up until that time. Mm -hmm. uh, and then he also wrote um, a couple of book manuscripts that were related to his work on Ivan, one called Method which was only published in, uh, for the first time in Russian in 2002, uh, and one called Non-Indifferent Nature, which was published earlier, but not in a, in a full definitive version until later. So I used all, all and, and both of those books were um, uh, started before Eisenstein began working on Ivan the Terrible, but um, were developed through the kind of work that he was doing on Ivan. And in that film, he really experimented with literally every element of, of, uh, of film, a film form, with acting, with music, with frame composition, with camera work, with lighting, uh, editing, really everything. And, and the goal of that was, so he not only wanted to ask people to think about ideas about power, but he wanted to try and reach people directly in their, in the, at, in their deepest feelings. He wanted to stimulate a really rich, and multi-sensory emotional experience so that people could respond to what they were seeing with the most, in the most intense way possible. And not only ask questions, but also try and uh, um, understand how they were feeling about the things that they were seeing. So there, was the, there were two parts, and my understanding is that Stalin 
what didn't uh, was okay with the first part, but then the second part was the one that they had to lock horns against. What when when were uh, Russians able to see the second part um, in in their own country? Uh, okay, well, um, part one was released in 1944-45, and then a few months, uh, a year later, he finished part two, but it was banned almost immediately. And it was finally released after both Eisenstein and Stalin were dead in 1958. Okay. Uh, to almost immediate acclaim. And partly because there was such a long period of time between the two, and then also partly because part one won the Stalin Prize and part two was banned, many people who saw Many people still to this day see these two parts as being very different. But one of the main arguments I try and make in this film is to show how Eisenstein really conceived of the film as a whole. And, and also wasn't finished. I mean, there was a part three that was supposed to, that he never finished. Mm -hmm. um, but he really conceived of the whole film as a whole. Um, he, he sees a trajectory from Yvonne's childhood through his um, young rulership, through as he became older, as he, as people began to challenge his um, goals for uh, centralizing power, and he responds by beginning to kill people. Um, Eisenstein saw that whole process as a single process. Interesting, interesting. You know, you, you had mentioned earlier that, that Ivan the Terrible betrays the tragedy of absolute power what political message? What political messages did Eisenstein want to convey to his audiences in the film? Um, I think first of all, he really wanted people to think about and to ask themselves question about questions about power, um, to and to try and encourage them to understand what um, what kind of a world they were living in. Um, but beyond that, he's he he does he calls it a tragedy from the beginning, uh, and he sees it as a tragedy. Um, not because, so a lot of Yvonne's choices left him alone and feeling abandoned as he had been as a child. But what, but what, that's not really what Eisenstein's doing. What he's really trying to do is ask questions about um, the relationship between individual rulers, public persona, and their personal feelings. So he wants to know, for example, as I said earlier, how a young, innocent, abandoned child can grow up to be a a bloody tyrant. What, what is that process? And what are the feelings, what role do feelings of revenge, for example, or, um, or of trauma, what, what do those have to do with the kinds of decisions that a ruler makes as an adult? Um, and he shows that, and, and so he really asks kind of a question about whether a good ruler can also be a good human being, a morally good human being. And he shows the contradictions between public and private life throughout the film. Um, so I think what he's doing is trying to say that um, uh, all, all rulers are, are uh, just like all people, are really masses of contradictions that we're all, you know, unities of opposites, he says uh, a lot in his notes. Um, but the difference is, is that with rulers, they're conflict, they may be conflicted, they may have morally good ideas, but what really matters are their actions and their these conflicts have consequences. And if those consequences are violent and um, murderous, then that's what really matters, no matter how conflicted or decent a person the ruler may have been. Mm -hmm. So with um, Eisenstein's conflict with Stalin and his film, the second part of Ivan the Terrible being banned, what, what was Eisenstein's career after that 
up to that moment. Um, okay, well, he, he was uh, in, in the at the beginning of 1946, he went to a party to celebrate the Stalin Prize that he had won for part one of the film and along with the other prize winners. And he had a massive heart attack there while he was dancing with a young actress. And he barely survived. He was in the hospital for several months. And that was when Stalin saw part two and immediately had it banned. Um, and he's in the hospital for many, many months. It's only, uh, it's, it's only a year later that he has a chance to talk to Stalin about trying to complete part two and, or revise part two and make it acceptable and then complete part three. Um, but he was still quite ill at that point. And then um, he died just a few months later at the beginning of 1948. So he was only 50 years old when he died um, and he never managed to complete the film, either, either because he, he wanted to keep part two the way it was or because he was just too ill to finish it. Probably a little both. I see, I see. And for audience or, or uh, listeners that want to see this film, what do you recommend is the best way of seeing it with English subtitles and whatnot? Right, um, there's a great Criterion Collection version of the film that came out um, in the early 2000s. Um, and that has uh, also has some of the deleted material and some drawings and other nice little benefits. Um, but Mosfilm, the Moscow Film um, Studio, just released a new version with better English subtitles, and that's available on YouTube. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, so you can just Google it. And, and also in the book, um, in the introduction to the book, I have links to, uh, to, to that version. Oh, great. I will, I will include those links in the, the description in the podcast so people can uh, watch the movie. Oh, okay, great. And I also try and give time codes throughout the film so that when I talk about scenes, people can go look them up. Um, so they can actually see the scenes as um, as they're reading about them. That's, oh, that's, that's a, my goal. That's a great idea. That's excellent. Well, for anyone that's that's uh, has seen the film or is going to see the film, your book is a uh, is a perfect uh, guide to the film or the the behind the scenes story of the film. So it's uh, it's very exciting. Thank you. Thank you very much. I hope people enjoy it, and I yes. hope people go watch the film. I really, I really want to, I really want the book to encourage more people to go watch it again or watch it for the first time. Great, great. Well, thank you so much, Joan. It was a pleasure talking with you. Thank you. This was really fun for me too. Thanks. That was Joan Newberger, author of This Thing of Darkness. As a loyal listener to the podcast, we'd like to offer you a special 30% discount on Joan's new book. To receive your discount, please go to cornellpress.cornell.edu and use the promo code 09POD. If you live in the UK, use the discount code CSANNOUNCE and visit the website combinedacademic.co.uk. Thank you for listening to 1869, the Cornell University Press Podcast.